Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And may I remind everyone, and at the same time thank our partners who give their monthly gifts, which enable us to do this free of charge to the world. And those partners know that you are one with me, even as I'm one with you in proclaiming this message of the love of God and Christ your life. Thank you, partners, for making this possible. Thank all of you for your um, messages, emails. It's impossible to reply to them, but believe me, I read them and I thank you. And thank those of you that give an occasional gift. Um, no way do I demean that. Thank you. Thank you for all of you who are involved in making this message of life happen in persons around the world. I want to go back one more time. I, I debated this, but I do. I want to go back one more time to Exodus 33 and to read it and hear what it is saying. And um, verse 13 is as good a place as any to begin. Now, therefore, I pray, if you have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. And he said, the Lord says to Moses, my presence, and remember that word in the Hebrew is actually face, my presence, my face will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence, if your face does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Call it off. We don't want to go on with this unless your immediate presence is with us. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace or favor in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate or distinguished, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth." The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. You found grace in my sight. So uh, we've been there, what, for three weeks now or more? It's a foundational verse. I hope you realize it by now. It's foundational to the unique people of God, even from before this, back in the book of Genesis, but certainly after this, the people of God are known as the person's the Lord is with them. They understood that themselves, and it was their daily greeting the one to the other. The Lord be with you. 
That's how they understood themselves. It was how their uh, neighbors, even their enemies, understood them as they're, they're unique, they're different, they're distinguished. And what's the distinguishing mark? That the presence, the Lord himself is with them. And the grace or the favor of God is around them like a shield. Let, let me quickly go back over that. And um, thank you for your email concerning this, Jim. And, and so it says, my presence, my presence will go with you. And as I have said since we first looked at this, the Hebrew there is face. The Hebrew people were very, what shall I say, picturesque. They thought a lot in what we would call pictures. They were very poetic. And, and the, the, the idea of presence, the presence of a person, they summed up in the image of the face of God. I, I think it's a, a marvelous image of the presence because just think about it for a moment it's by your face that we really know you. If I asked for your picture, you would not send me a picture of your knees or feet. You would send me a picture of your face because it's the face that sums up the entire person. By your face, you are continually sending out the, what shall I say, the livingness or the energy of who you are. You know that's true. If your face is smiling at a person, then you are actually sending something they can feel in their inmost person, and they feel your acceptance of them. They, they can feel your delight in them. You haven't said a word, but there is that which is energizing from your face. It's coming to them in a smile. If you frown, then they cower within because there has been sent again the energy of your displeasure. You get it? You see what I'm saying? Um, you, your, your teenager walks in the room and you know by the look on their face, uh, and we call that they have an attitude Really and truly, that word attitude is a very real possible translation of the word spirit. Because when we say, I don't like your attitude, we could as easily say, I don't like your spirit. It's, it's that, I say it again, that energy, or to use another biblical word, the, the wind of a person's innermost being coming out through their face, which also is seen in other parts of the body, but especially the face, the pouting lips, the bored look, the angry look. I could keep on. Uh, if you're envious, it can be all written over your face within a few seconds, in microseconds. The name of your worst enemy is mentioned uh, with, with positive attributes and and the look on your face betrays a life history that you have with this person, your, your face. And, and so the Hebrews understood the presence of God to be the presence of the Holy Spirit who, who was actually 
what? Transmitting to them, energizing within them the love, the acceptance, the covenant faithfulness of God. That, that he's not just an idea, it's his face, it's his presence. And so we, we do not think of face as being the actual face. No man has seen God and lives, says the scripture. Where creature cannot look on the face of God. He's, he's too glorious for us. But um, we're, we're the, the presence of God and the Holy Spirit who brings to us that attitude of the love of God, who brings to us the actual sense of his loving kindness and faithfulness. His presence is with us, is with us. What a thought. You, you sleep inside the very presence, the face of God. Or number six, the great blessing that was given to Israel every day, which, you know, the light of his countenance, um, his face is shining upon you. That's who you are. That's who you are. And, and his favor, his grace, that, that love which is limitlessly for us. He's on our side. He, he's everything that we need, given to us unconditionally, unearned, and, and given with the power to make it happen. And again, that power is the Holy Spirit, God for us, God with us. No wonder they were called distinguished, set apart, different, unlike all other peoples on the face of the earth. And that is true of us in Christ Jesus. But now, all of that, there was a goal. It wasn't that you have all that I've just said uh, to sort of be blessed it isn't that you, you sit in your corner of blessing and, and just be blessed and let the world go by. You, you are loved, you are blessed, you are favored, you are presenced, distinguished, but there's a goal in view. There's a goal in view. There's an intention behind. God's up to something. He's not all of this just a dead end in you. It isn't that you're the terminus of this. Something is to happen. It is, and it, we read it, verse 14. You could say this is maybe the central verse of the passage. The Lord says, My presence, my face will go with you, and I will give you rest. So my presence will go with you, but I've got an intention. I'm going with you somewhere. I'm going with you to achieve something. And that something is rest. So life that is lived in the light of his face, his presence, life that is lived receiving of his grace and his favor, life as a distinguished person means that he brings you to rest. Now, have you ever thought about that before? Let me go maybe even further in that. And you can read this um, in Genesis chapter 2. Let me quickly tell you what, what it's about. 
when I say God created us, God created mankind in order to rest. You know how creation worked, don't you? There's the six days of creation, and that places the sixth day on Friday. And Friday afternoon in that week of creation, God created you and I, mankind. And, and he created us in his own image and likeness. That image is defined in the New Testament as the Lord Jesus. He is the image of God. He is God from God. He, he is the image, the exact representation of God. And, and we were created at the very beginning, anticipating when Jesus would dwell in our mortal flesh. Um, he created us. And, and on the seventh day, okay, we were created at the end of the sixth day, the seventh day, it says, and God rested, rested, and he set that day apart from all other days as the day when mankind would enter into, which is how Hebrews chapter 4 puts it, we would enter into his rest. And so, there we would be. Six days, six days, says the, the Ten Commandments. Six days you shall labor. It's a command of God. You know, if, if you're trying to get out of work, you're only half alive, man. You, you're, you're defying God's image in you. But that's another thing. But um, six days you shall labor. But the seventh day, the Sabbath, which is the word Shabbat, it means rest, to cease from labor. And in that ceasing, we would rest in the rest of God. Do, do you understand this? Six days God labored. It's in Genesis 1. Six days to bring about all of creation. Then on the seventh day, God rested. And mankind was called to enter in. We're on a day in space and time to enter into God's rest. So God rested and we were called to enter into that rest. And then out from that rest on the first day of the week, we will begin to work. But we're working from rest. But as we're working from our rest in God's rest we're moving toward rest again. We, we work in a sort of parenthesis of rest. That was the old covenant. Now, what is this rest? I mean, I, it doesn't mean you live in your pajamas all day. Uh, I mean, what is this rest? Let's, the, what does the word mean? The word that's used in Exodus is another word than the one used in Genesis, but they are, um, they, they basically mean the same thing. Slight difference, but basically the same. This word rest. It means the rest that comes from having completed a task and you're satisfied with the results. 
you are perfectly content. In fact, you delight in the result of your work to the point where you're not exhausted, you're energized even though you've worked to come to a certain conclusion. And now you put down your tool, you rest from what you were doing, and you look at what you've done and you say, yes, yes, that's it. That's exactly what I planned. That's exactly according to the blueprint. I rest from my work because it's done, it's finished, complete, and I'm delighted with it. So you say it's an energized rest. It's a joy-filled rest. Okay. It's also used to describe the quietness, the stillness. When I am safe from trouble, when I'm safe from my enemies, I give up that fear-filled alertness of wondering what's going to hit me next. I'm at rest. I'm at peace. Quiet. That doesn't almost mean that my enemies have all died or that all circumstances have changed. Maybe Psalm 23 it shows what this meaning of the word rest is in that when, when everyone was surrounding him against him and danger filled the air, yet he said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We, we sit down and have a feast together and talk over old times while my enemies are drooling at the mouth waiting to get me, but they won't because they can't get near when you're, I, 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 it might be the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. You are with me, quotes this very verse we're looking at. Your presence is with me, and they can't touch, you see. I have quietness in the, the middle of trouble, enemies. See, in this rest, how can I put it? Um... You, you are resting in that sense of complete, it's done. You, you're resting in love's acceptance. See, part of creation, that creation week, when God made mankind and bestowed upon mankind an honor and a glory that was beyond anything else in creation. He was made in the image and likeness of God. He was made to be united with God the Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Every cell, every ligament, every nerve, every neurological wonder of his brain was... Can I, can I say it adequately? It was actually fashioned fitted to accommodate and express the presence of God the Son who would live within him. What an honor. Huh. What an honor. And, and what a glory. And, and 
every other creature in creation should surely cry, wow, this, this, this creature made of dust and yet is exalted to be a familiar of the Creator. Satisfied, you get it. It's the same idea. It's done. Adam could look in a pool of water and see himself and, and say, wow, what God has done to know, to know my significance within creation, to know my worth and my value to God who has set his love upon me, who has given this glory to me. To, to know that it matters to God that I get up in the morning. My work, and for Adam and Eve, as they walked through the Garden of Eden and tended the garden and, and actually played in the garden, it was significant. God creator would come into that garden and say, Adam, where are you? What have you done? It mattered to God to know. It, or to put it the other way around, I, I am not striving. You see, do you see now what I mean by rest? Because the opposite of that rest, knowing my significance to God and within creation and to know that I matter in every minute and second of my life to God and within creation. The opposite of that is that I'm always striving to get there. Do you know what I mean? That awful anxiety, that angst that's just under the surface of even what appears to be success. Do I matter? Do I matter? There are so many who would look very successful and very together, yet underneath it, just, I mean, just under the surface, they feel a misfit in society. They feel like a child alone in a world of adults. It's striving, struggling terrified of their co-workers who may arrive there with significance before they do. You know what I mean, don't you? See, rest. Rest, oh, rest where, where you, there, there's no more striving, there's no more anxiety, you see. There, there's no more fears. There's no more wondering. And of course, this includes all religious anxiety, those, those poor people, and I mean that with all my heart, those poor people whose idea of church is that they go in order to be reminded of how unworthy they are, how insignificant, how worthless they are. But if they come forward and say this prayer, then maybe perhaps there could be the possibility. And going through life with religious anxiety, am I right with God? Did I do something wrong that will exclude me? Ever looking within and coming up with shame and guilt and it's all gone. I mean gone. That's the meaning of the word rest. God says, come and join me in my rest. 
I, I, I say, I think I've really said it already, this word doesn't mean laziness. Rest, you know, to average people in some parts of the world, at least here in the West, um, rest means to be lazy. Rest means you've found an idiotic government who's going to support you for breathing. Um, and, and of course, with that comes all manner of laziness and boredom. You're asleep in the midst of this incredible life. No, 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 none, none, it doesn't even approach that. This word rest means life to the full. This word rest means action, action from rest. Are you getting this? It's, it's work, but it's work not to achieve some sort of significance. It's work from significance. It's, it's work from acceptance. It's enthusiasm. That's this rest. In fact, the very word enthusiasm is a Greek word, entheos. En meaning in, theos meaning God. Enthusiasm in its basic meaning is working from God within you. It's, it's endless creativity, creativity that is awakened in that resting in who God is, endless wisdom applied to your life, your work, your studies. Rest that ends in achievement, all flowing out. Not a struggle, not sweat, but flowing from within where you rest in God. It's life without anxiety, it's life without chaos, it's, it's life without fears, life without frustration, anger, envy. I said, mankind was created to be at rest. That is, in the rest of God. Put it this way, that seventh day, that was the beginning of this. It will be true to say the rest of the Bible, Old and New Testament, is all about how that comes to pass, how this creator achieves his end that we come to rest but it begins in chapter 2 of Genesis and we are called to enter into his rest and there was a day set aside in time space place that the place where they would enter into God's rest would be the Garden of Eden, probably, though the Bible doesn't say so, but probably at the Tree of Life. You enter into his rest. Well, what is the rest of God? He rests, as I said, the meaning of the word, God rested on the seventh day of the creation week. God rested as a satisfied artist. He didn't rest because he was exhausted. He rested because everything that was in the blueprint of the imagination of God has been done. And he looked at everything that he had made as an artist would stand back from his canvas and look at what he's done. As an architect would stand back from his building 
and it says he saw everything he had made and it was very good. And he's been saying that all week long. It was good. It was good. It was good. It's very good. And he rested. That is, he said, I cannot add one thing to this. There's nothing to be taken from it. He is satisfied. Let that sink into you. God was satisfied with his creation. He said, it's done. It's finished. It's exactly as I want it. It could not be better. It is a full expression of wisdom. It is the perfect going forth of love. It, I tell you, it, it's, God rested. It's when an artist will put his signature on his work. When he puts his signature on it, he said, that's it. I can't change this now. This is it. And it perfectly expresses what I wanted to say. This is it. The Father, God, Creator, He is saying to us, I have given to you my love. I created you out from my love. I created you to love you. And I've put you in the midst of the expression of my love, the garden of delight. I've filled it with an abundance of provision. I've given to you wisdom. I've given to you strength. I've given you the honor and the glory in the authority to rule creation. That is so. Done. Finished. Nothing to be had. That is so. I'm resting. I put my brush down. I put my signature on it. I've said this is it. Done. Now, come on. You enter into my rest and say, it's done. See, it's done. I don't have to struggle to make it happen. I don't have to worry if it will be there tomorrow morning. It's done. I don't have to have self-doubts about who I am. It's done. It's declared. So rest. Rest in my rest, says God. If I'm at rest, you be at rest. If I say it's done, you say it's done. Rest in my satisfaction. If I'm satisfied with this, enter into my satisfaction. Let us celebrate together. What is it? Is it merely that God is satisfied with cabbages? Does God look at daffodils and say they're good? Yes. But what's behind that? Do you, do you realize, according to Colossians 1.15, Jesus, God the Son, was that word of creation. When you read Genesis 1, the rest of Scripture say you're hearing the very voice of Jesus. And mankind is made in the image, the likeness, union with that Jesus. Let this sink in. Don't, don't let it go on you like water off a dog's pack. You see, when that word of God went out, the word of Jesus, and the Spirit of God moved upon that word... You see, 
Jesus isn't the tree. The tree isn't Jesus. But, says Colossians 1, it is Jesus who holds the very atoms of that tree together. He holds the atoms of the grass. If you go deep enough into the stuff of creation, you'll be face to face with Jesus. When God the Father looked at creation, he saw the image of his Son in wisdom, in creativity. And he said, it's good. And when he looked at mankind, he saw mankind. He saw all that Jesus would be in him and through him. He saw mankind lifted to such exalted heights as to be a participant in the very life of God through union with Jesus. And he said, it is good. It is good. This is the blueprint of your human life that you should share, participate in the life of God whose name is Jesus. So rest. There's nothing to do, you see. No. Rest. It's done. You were created into this. So celebrate with me, says the Lord. Enter into my rest. What does that mean? Well, basically, I suppose an introductory word would be trust. Trust me. Because trust involves that abandonment into the truth of another. You, you could say it means be confident in my faith. Be confident in my confidence. Be confident in my knowing. Do you understand? If, if God himself said that he was confident to say it is done, if the faith of God said it's finished, now let's get on with this incredible life that I have birthed you into. If God said that, then I trust in the trust of God. I am confident in the confidence of God. If he says that he's given me all of this and it's love that has given it to me, not just chance then I'm, I'm going to be confident in that and give him thanks every day for his provision. If he said that he's made me the most marvelous creature to be his familiar in union with him through the Son by the Spirit, then I'm going to say, thank you. Wow. Enter into my rest. What does it mean? Why, Jesus said, except you become as a little child. Maybe that's it. Become as a little child. If you give a gift to a little child, there's no argument. Actually, the child is so accepting of the gift, she often forgets to say thank you. The only time that that beautiful thing of the child allowing you to give the gift and the child in beautiful innocence just receiving and the look on face is enough to know thank you 
The only time that gets muddy and messed up is when there's an adult hovering over the poor child. And, and they enter, the child is allowing grace to invade them and they're just receiving the gift you're giving. And then that adult, that mean adult that has forgotten the beauty of a child says, oh, you shouldn't do that. Uh, suddenly there's a terrible darkness overshadowing you shouldn't do that meaning I ought to pay for this if you're going to do it we don't accept charity here you shouldn't do this and you feel suddenly the whole thing is falling apart and the child suddenly looks guilty and then the parent glares at the child as they say thank you and the poor child now under the burden of doing some work it hadn't thought of, saying thank you. Do you see what I mean? Adults. Oh, the adult mind refuses grace. The adult mind refuses to rest. It must put its muddy foot down and say, I've got to pay for this. You shouldn't do that. Do you really have to? And all the child is drained out of us. No wonder Jesus said, unless you become as a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Just allow it. What, what's he saying? Rest. Enter into my rest. I've done it. It's finished. Enter. Allow. Allow me. Allow me. The amazing thing is, Genesis chapter 3 Mankind refused this. And we won't go into all of that. Some theologians call it the fall. It's that most ancient sin, the entrance into death. When mankind, deceived by Satan, believing lies, challenged truth, and basically said... How can I put it? He basically sin said, basically sin is saying God is wrong. Creation is not good. In fact, I've got to get God out of the way. He's a hindrance to me. Got to get him out of the way so I can be my own person and get to the heart of this and see how we can improve creation. Get another blueprint for life. Be my own person, my own self, and run this show as it ought to be run. And in that, mankind was plunged into darkness. He had what lost forgotten the blueprint and you try and build a car without the blueprint you build something that is merely the meandering wanderings of a brain that's gone crazy you can't you just can't start out and try and invent who you are he lost the blueprint So suddenly and immediately, life is without purpose. He forgets why he's here. And it's full of fear. That's the very first words that Adam spoke after the fall. 
the first recorded words of mankind. I was afraid. He's anxious regarding himself. What do they think of me? And when he thought about what the only other human thought about him, he was so terrified he covered himself in fig leaves so she couldn't see. Anxious about others, blaming the woman within hours of this happening. The, the whole family fell apart. Angry at others, envious of others. And labor became pathway to exhaustion. It says from here on out, what had been playing. Yes, doing that which you love to do shall now be in the sweat of your brow. Man remains the same. Every organ, every cell of the human body created to accommodate the very presence, the face of God. But now all the gifts of God, everything God has showered upon him, mankind misuses. He doesn't come up with anything new. Outside of God, there's no creator. But he takes everything God has given, everything, even down to plants that God gave, and he twists their use. He uses them to destroy himself. He uses creation to destroy others. He's still the most incredible creature on the planet. He's still the most amazing creature that would take such beautiful love gifts and twist them into quite other things. And all the time trying to find significance, trying to find some worth, some value to himself, to find his place in the world. The Old Testament is God in his long-term plan to bring mankind back to rest, to restore rest and to celebrate it and to achieve it to the very full. Have you noticed how the Old Testament is full of Sabbaths? That's a study in itself. But they had Sabbath days, they had Sabbath weeks, they had Sabbath months, they had Sabbath years. Sabbath, 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 Sabbath. It's all over the Old Testament. Why? Because it was that imprint. I, it's my enter into my rest. And some did. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That is, he trusted. The actual Hebrew is he said the Amen. He allowed God. But of course, primarily Israel. That we're right, I finally got to the text. That, that, that Israel would be the people. They would be the model in the world of those who rested in God. They would be thus distinguished. And the presence of the Holy Spirit, the face of God among them. And Canaan would be to them their Garden of Eden, the place where God celebrated his rest with mankind. But that was nothing but trouble. They continually refused. They were afraid to go into Canaan and afraid because they saw themselves as insignificant 
and so on and so on. But running through Israel, you had it, they, they, it was there. Now I'd have to say tens of thousands of Israelites, anonymous, you'll never know who they were, but they understood what Caleb understood and Joshua understood. David certainly understood. His Psalms were a celebration of this very fact that we're talking of. But all those, even those who understood, they were flawed. They obeyed, but there was disobedience there too. They became little, what, flickering shadows of what was to come when God achieved his end of bringing us to rest. And then Jesus comes. Are you getting who Jesus was, who he is? Jesus, Son of God, God from God, but he, he limited himself. He took to himself our humanness, that human stuff that came into being in the Garden of Eden, that, that fell into deceit and lies and darkness and blindness. He took our flesh. He assumed it to himself. He became flesh. Never ceased to be God, but he became a genuine, authentic man. And all the organs and cells and nerve endings and neurological abilities were finally being used as intended. But he didn't come to just tell us what we should do and ought to be, you know, like religion tells you. He came to reveal us to us. He is saying in his very being, this is who I made you to be. And I have become human in order that I might show you what a human is supposed to look like. He becomes the prototype of a new kind of mankind, a new way of living, comes into this world and makes footprints in the sands of the Galilee, a prototype of a new race of humans who have come to rest in God's rest. And of course it speaks of Jesus in these very terms that Moses used. Acts 10.38 sums up the entire life of this God-man, man, Jesus, it says, for God was with him because he so became one of us. The Lord must be with him in order to strengthen him to do his work. He lived in rest, distinguished from all other humans, and yet he's a human among us. He's the first human to live in rest. He obeys the Father, calls Father his daddy. He's called the perfect servant. He revels in the fact he is the beloved, even as he pours that love out upon others. 
For 30 years, he lived the most mundane, ordinary life of a peasant in a third world country. And in every second, he lives in obedience to the Father, in perfect rest in his Father. He is the rest of God. And the Father delights in him. And at his baptism, announces it. When Jesus was baptized at 30-something, the Father said, this is, this is my son. This is him. This is him. This is my beloved son in whom my soul delights. I'm well pleased. That is the New Testament way of bringing all of Genesis 1 to focus in Jesus and the Father saying, He is good. I'm well pleased. I delight in He's the place of my rest. You could almost say the Father is saying, We did it. We did it. We got inside creature man and here is the man in whom I delight. Gethsemane was the final obedience, the final resting in the Father when he says, not my will but yours be done. That is, in love for you, Father, and in love for all mankind, you in particular. He says, we're going through with this. And he goes and he steps into our death. He stood united with us in death. And as he does so, he shouts what? It is finished. It's done. Do you hear? God is resting in the most ultimate fashion. He rests and says, I've dealt with sin. It's done. I have stripped Satan of all his authority. And I am he who conquers death. Are you getting this? It's done. That is... He laid it down and said, I can't add another word to that. I can't add another action. There's nothing to be taken away. It's done. And it's done to perfection. What perfection? The Father said, it is good. I rest. And raised Jesus from the dead and said, All authority is his in the heavens and in the earth. In this one, the man who has become all that Adam refused to be, all mankind is brought to a new level. Mankind in the resurrection of Jesus turned a corner and they could never go back. Something had happened. God had united with mankind and taken him to death and out of death into life.
And Jesus then ascended. But notice he ascended as the man he had become with the same body and the same organs and the same nerve endings, only now glorified in a way we can't even understand. But it was the same body that could eat and drink and sit and visit with them. And he entered into the other half of the universe. And the Bible gives really two words to say what that all means. It says he sat down. He rested. There's nothing more to do to bring about everything that God intended for us to be in creating us. It was done in Jesus, the representative. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus is where God rests. Can I say that again? Jesus is where God rests and says, we did it. That's why the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in unlimited fullness God rested. It's done. If I could get what's inside of me right now and put it straight through this microphone into you. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. He sat down because there was not another thing to do to bring you out of darkness into light. There wasn't another thing to be accomplished to wipe out your sins. Not another thing to be done to bring you into perfect harmony with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that you would participate in Holy life, real life. Know what real joy, real peace. To know the strength of God in you. And all perfectly normal and natural as you go about your daily job. Jesus spoke of this in another way, but really it's another message. But do you remember when he found the sheep? When the woman found the coin? Do you remember what... Jesus in the parable said, the shepherd said, rejoice with me, I found my sheep. So he says, rest with me, rest where I rest, be satisfied where I'm satisfied. You say done where I say done. And in that parable, he is saying, come and rejoice, be beside yourself for joy where I am beside myself for joy. Jesus, he's the focus. He is your very life. He dwells in every cell of your mortal body through his Holy Spirit. It is so. And says Romans 8, He that gave us his only son, spared not his only son, shall he not with him freely give us all things? This that I'm talking about covers all of life. Or as Jesus said, stop being anxious about the material stuff of life. Stop being anxious about the economy. Your heavenly Father knows and he cares. It's been done in Jesus. He's committed to care for you. It's done. Stop being so anxious. Stop being so frantic and stressed out. Rest. 
If God says it's done, I'll say it's done. If he rejoices in his end, I'll rejoice with him. That's what it's saying. Allow, allow the gift like a little child and send the adult out of the room that wants to make you feel guilty for taking forbid that very thought that ancestors passed on to you that you're not supposed to take these gifts of God so lightly you're supposed to wail and cry and beat yourself and make promises and vows and shut up religion like a little child with eyes bugging out saying wow take his gifts it's done Understand, Jesus is your life. Understand, Jesus, your life, and the Father, your Father. And understand the Holy Spirit making that actual in your life today. Get away from those religious people that believe that anxiety and guilt and shame are the very oxygen that make their church work get away flee it's toxic rest in God rest in God because Jesus your life and Jesus is where the father delights and where the spirit comes There's one verse, it's in Zephaniah, one of those little prophets of the Old Testament. It's a marvelous verse, chapter 3, verse 17. It's a marvelous verse in any version of your Bible, but I'm reading it from the Amplified Version, which pulls out every shadow of meaning in the Hebrew language. Let me read it. Lord your God is in the midst of you, the mighty one, a savior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. In his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will exult over you with singing. Out of that, you begin to live the life here and now on this earth that you were created to live and become one of those distinguished people, distinguished from all other people on the face of the earth. And amen. And could I remind you that the first weekend of December, we are meeting for a retreat in San Antonio, in the Drury Inn and Suites, uh, we had a marvelous time there a few months ago and we are doing it again and our subject for that winter slash Christmas retreat is love the Spirit's power we don't think often as love as power 
I want to take these hours together in the most practical fashion, not just talk about it, the most practical fashion to see how this all works out in your life. Now, it is limited. We can't take in everybody. There's a limited number of seats in the room. And so if you plan to come, call our office immediately and Cindy will tell you all that you need to know. But do not wait till the last minute, please. Um, I can't wait for that, honestly. Um, we already have persons coming from Australia to that retreat. Uh, that tells you that um, you'd better get on the ball here. So it's the first weekend, begins on Friday night, all day Saturday, um, and into Sunday morning, uh, a retreat. That is, we, we come together, we all sleep in the same building, we come to the same room and we praise together, we pray together, we teach and we talk and we love. It's a marvelous thing just to be where everybody is at least beginning to understand this message of the love of God. That's glorious, holy fun in itself. But I, I want you to, I really do. I mean, seriously, I want to see you instead of you just being able to see me. And so plan to come and do it ASAP so that your seat is assured. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you that you enter into his rest and rest in him in Christ Jesus. For so I bless you, so it is.